Welcome back to the JC Hoots podcast. As always, I'm your host, JC Jackson Collier. Another great episode coming for you today as I'm joined by Kentucky Insider over at catsillustrated.com and a member of the Rivals Network, David Sisk. David, how's it going? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Always, always. Uh, like I was saying before we hopped on air, always look forward to talking to different beat writers, different insiders, getting a different perspective for some of these uh, high-end matchups, and especially in college basketball. Yeah, and uh, I think this is one uh, a lot of people on both sides, and I think in the college basketball world, I've been looking for, um, and I can tell you from a Kentucky side, as many big games as they played in, and I think everybody has, Arkansas has too, you get in the SEC, you're going to play a lot of big games. Um, but, but I think this is one that the fans have, have kind of circled to as a, you know, a, a big matchup uh, that they're excited about uh, seeing their team play. Absolutely. And, you know, before we get into this specific matchup on Saturday, um, as a rivalry goes, um, I was not. Boy, I, I got to turn this lamp off, and I burned. That reaction was me touching that light with my finger. I said, "This lighting doesn't look very good." So, <laughs> you were. We're in real. We're in real life here. This is real life. I mean, this is what you know. Working during a pandemic has done. We've adapted. We're doing Zoom interviews and everything, and everything is working fine. But like I was saying, you know, I wasn't alive when the Arkansas Kentucky. Uh, rivalry was hot and heavy in the 90s. I was born in 96, you know, Arkansas and Kentucky. Arkansas obviously joined the SEC in 1992. Um, I remember my dad telling me uh, stories about going to that first SEC tournament and the it was Go Big Blue and it was Woo Pig Suey in that first SEC tournament, 92-93. And Kentucky and Arkansas had that rivalry very early on uh, just from two powerhouse programs. And then Arkansas just kind of muddled around in, in, in the mid-tier for a while. What does it mean to you, uh, maybe on the Kentucky side of things, for Arkansas to be having a renaissance of sorts and getting that kind of a rivalry, kind of a more mutual uh, talent level, mutual uh, respect level back? Well, I'll actually look at it as a fan, and, and in particular an SEC fan. Uh, I, I live in Tennessee, so um, uh you know, and I've been a basketball guy, you know, my entire life going back. So, you know, I remember the NCAA uh, tournament in 1978, and I remember Brewer and Moncrief and all those guys when Eddie Sutton coached them. Uh, and, and you, you know, you go on. I remember them uh, well when they had Klein in the 80s, and they had some really good teams, um, you know, in there. And so, you know, Arkansas basketball was – was a really, really great brand even before Nolan Richardson got there. And then when you go to the 90s, uh, both teams uh, really kind of hit their apex there at the same time. So you, if you look at when Nolan Richardson had it rolling and when Rick Pitino had it rolling, it was both early to mid-90s, and it was at the same time. And those games were great games. Um, I, uh, we, we went to one. Um, I actually, um, going into my background a little bit, I was a coach on the Nike circuit in, in AAU and in EYBL. And one of our players that we had was Ron Mercer, who went on to play at Kentucky. And uh, I remember when he was in high school, we, uh, we actually went up and watched the Arkansas-Kentucky game. It was the year that uh, Arkansas 
won the national championship and they beat Kentucky and Rupp in overtime. Uh, Corliss Williams, Williamson on that team and Scotty Thurman and all those great names. And it was a tremendous, just an incredible game. And every time they played it was, and you know, there, there was a more, just more than talent. Um, you know, you go to Bud Walton, you know, you've got a huge arena, you've got the atmosphere there, you've got a crowd that can match anybody's. So um, I, I, I think it's, I, I'm, I want to see the league do well. So if you ask me, um, like when Louisville opened up and there were all the rumors that Bruce Pearl was going to go to Louisville, would you rather, would somebody ask me, would you rather see Bruce Pearl at Auburn or would you rather see Bruce Pearl at Louisville? I would rather see Bruce Pearl at Auburn because it's great for the league. He's great for the league. Musselman's great for the league. Nate Oates, Rick Barnes, you know, Will Wade, those guys are great for the league. And, you know, I, I used to a couple of years back and this was before I was working with rivals and, and uh, just watching as a fan coaching high school basketball, I would call the SEC, I call the SEC the best mid-major conference in America. And it was, I mean, you had one or it was a, one or two teams and everybody else was struggling. It ain't that way now. Uh, you know, it, this league is loaded. And uh, one thing I like about it, and, and I think, Arkansas fans and they're knowledgeable basketball fans and they're going to realize this as far as getting seedings and where you're at in Ken Palm, you know, it, it, a couple of years ago and not that far back two years ago, actually, um, when it right before the NCAA tournament was called off from COVID Kentucky had a really good record. And I think it lost three games in the SEC the entire year and they could not get up in the top 30. And nobody in SEC was in a top 30. And you couldn't get quality wins if nobody else was there. So not only do you get quality wins now, you get quality losses. And they don't count against you because every team you're playing is like a top 50 team. And then you look at Ken Palm, the top 20, top 25, is just littered with SEC teams, whereas two, three years ago, you didn't have any. So I love it for the league as a fan. I think the SEC now is the best league and college basketball and I'm loving it absolutely and it's finally getting to that level you know you bring up quality wins you know talking about tournament resumes they have the new net system they're looking at different quadrants and stuff and you look at the SEC now and there are so many quadrant one quadrant two opportunities and it's looking very similar to the big 12 and to the big east as far as hey you know your top teams are getting 10 12 opportunities it, first quadrant games uh in in one season just and that's a lot of its conference play too it's not just your non-conference a lot of it is coming from conference play arkansas has played eight quadrant one games uh, they're four and four right now um i think their loss their quadrant one losses were mississippi state alabama oklahoma i can't remember the the last one but uh but yeah, you get a lot of quadrant games right now. Um, but I love I love you being able to go all the way back. It's really cool that you go all the way back to to the triplets and Joe Klein and all that sort of stuff. That makes I'm old. I'd rather be in your views and say, well, you know, I've heard of I've heard of how good Arkansas and Kentucky were in the nineties, but I don't know. I I wasn't around. I would rather be in your shoes. Fair enough, I guess. You got a lot more experience on me though. I'll tell you that much. So talking about this matchup though. Top 25 matchup, second weekend in a row, there will be a top 25 matchup in Bud Walton Arena. Um, 
both teams coming in, you know, the winner will have uh, sole possession of second place. Or if Arkansas wins, they'll be tied, but they'll own the tiebreaker over Kentucky for second place for the time being in, in the SEC. So a, a very a potential for an ex- another explosive atmosphere in Bud Walton Arena. Did you get to watch either the Auburn or the Tennessee games this season that Arkansas played at Bud Walton? I didn't. Um, I um, actually, uh, when they played, I, I coach high school ball too. So a lot of the games during the week, as far as just being able to sit down and watch different games, I, I've not been able to do that. Um, I, I had a good idea living in Tennessee, kind of keeping up with it, what went on. I got to see them against Alabama, um, you know, a, a, a little bit of that one. Um, I, I'm familiar with the way they play, the style that they play with. And, um, you know, it's we talked about Ken Palm and looking at both teams' records, but especially Arkansas, you know, what they've been able to reel off about the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks. Um, you know, if you look at their schedule, their wins are in green and, the losses are like in a red color and there's not a whole lot of red. I mean, it looks like a fair way to Augusta national or something, <laughs> all, those, all those wins in a row that they have, but they've, uh, you know, highly successful. And I don't think anybody's surprised by that. I think people were probably more surprised that they had some of the losses early that they had, but you know, that's to be expected right now because it's transfer portal, you know, getting a lot in and, and very few teams are, are going to have, the way it used to be where, you know, you, you just got a turnover, you know, Kentucky has been one and done more than anybody. So this is old hat to Calipari, but now um, he's got the oldest team he's had, you know, he, he's not really trusting freshmen too much. He's got freshmen. They're not getting on the court a whole lot. And uh, it's more transfer portal type players. And, you know, I mean, you look at guys like, uh, you know, what Arkansas, you know, has done as much of that as anybody. So I think, Coach Musselman and, and Coach Cal Perry, they're both coaching for the tournament. They're both coaching um, the, the, the process for their teams to get better through the year, not necessarily the record. And I, I, so I don't think it's a mistake that either team's playing as well as they are now because I don't think they're hanging their well-being on, on a single game. I think they're both looking forward to making a deep run in March. And you can see both teams just trending upward as the season's going on. You touched on the transfer portal, and I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but since we already brought it up, I might as well go ahead and ask you about it. So last year uh, was definitely one of the more difficult years in Kentucky basketball in recent memory, uh, especially for Calipari. Um, And it seemed like, you know, that was – I could be wrong on this. I'm not 100% familiar with the Kentucky roster last year, but it seemed like they were trying to – utilize freshmen, but also utilize the transfer portal last year as well. But maybe it seemed like that's not what Calipari is used to. Calipari is one of the best recruiters in college basketball. He is the best guy at getting all of these high-end talent guys to gel early and to get them to buy into roles early. There are not many coaches out there who can say, hey, I'm going to sign five five stars and I'm going to have them play limited minutes. I'm going to have them play specific roles instead of going to any other school and playing 30 plus minutes and and all this sort of stuff. But it seemed like last year he was trying to balance that as well as trying to incorporate different um, transfer guys too. And it just seemed like the roster was not a typical Calipari roster. And he might've seemed a little out of his comfort zone. Uh, Would that be fair at all to say? 
Yeah, I think the whole team was out of their comfort zone. It, it, nothing panned out. And, no, it was the worst team record-wise since 1926. And um, But, you know, they, they could have come – or they could have been a lot better. They came very close in some games. They had so many games go down to the last – shot or to the last minute and several and it seems like they never made the shot Mississippi State was the only place that they made a shot and they won that game um but when you in looking at that team the freshman never Isaiah Jackson was their best freshman uh BJ Boston and the late Terrence Clark just didn't have the seasons that um people expected them to have it was a hard fit um as far as the transfers go, um, it was uh, it was tough too. Um, Davion Mintz was a player that I really liked, and I'm glad he's back this year and enjoying success because I really thought he put his heart into it last year, and he was their number one option really as the season went on the perimeter. And you look at him this year; he's although he wasn't the highlight guy, he was the most consistent player. And as you look at them uh, this year, he's probably the fourth perimeter option this year, and he's fine with that. Um, Olivier Saar, transfer from Wake Forest, he never could get comfortable. It was a different coaching style. Calipari used him differently than Danny Manning did at Wake Forest. So, and, and here was one thing, too. I think Calipari's done a tremendous job this year of meshing this team. And you look, they're down Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler. They're down their starting backcourt, and they haven't missed a beat against Alabama and LSU. They play two good teams without them. And, uh, but the thing is, he's got these guys every day. Um, and you've got practice, you've got film room, you've got workouts. And last year in the COVID year, and it went that way with a lot of people, the experienced rosters were the ones that were good. The new ones, you just didn't need any time with them. You know, and you said – uh, I'm having team meetings with players and Zoom calls, you know, outside of the locker room during the games and practice. I never get to see them. We don't have any face-to-face -face meetings. I don't get to know the kids. I don't get to work individually with the kids. So, you know, it was a long year for everybody. And I hope it's one that college sports, pro sports, and just us as a society that we don't have to go through anymore. Speaking of uh, Sabir Willer and Ty Ty Washington, do you have any idea on their status for that game Saturday? I know they recently sat out against LSU and Alabama. Kentucky won both of those games without them, which, like you said, says a lot about the team as it is. But obviously those are two huge pieces. I would have to go back and crunch the numbers, but I would say it's about 50-50 this year in the SEC of games that Kentucky has finished with both Wheeler and Washington on the floor. Uh, Wheeler got whiplash twice by running into ball screens, and he's short at about five seven, five eight. He his his face is is getting these big guys right in the sternum, and he's just getting he's getting whiplashed on these screens, and he gets up in the ball. So uh, when he's got hit, he's got hit twice on the dead run, uh, and then he's had he had a wrist injury uh, against Tennessee. Uh, so he set out both games since then, the last two. Ty Ty, he's just had nagging lower leg injuries. He set out, uh, he had two different injuries. He set out the second time, came back, set out a couple of games. Then when he came back, Florida player dove in his legs after a loose ball. It looked really bad. When he went down, I went, man, he's done. I mean, it looked like one of those deals, looked like a Joe Theismann or something. 
but you know, he's 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 I think he's gonna be back, but I've I've kind of heard some rumblings around that maybe not to expect him during the regular season. So he may not be back until tournament time, whether it be SEC tournament or NCAA tournament. Like I said, Calipari's not going to put him out there less than 100% healthy. And he also said he's not going to put him out there if he's not 100% emotionally in tune. Uh, like we said, he, he said he's not going to risk it for a game. They're in it for the long run this year. Um, I don't know about Wheeler. His both have been very, very quiet. Um, I don't know. I'd say Wheeler would have a better chance to be back Saturday. Whether he will, I don't or not, I don't know. But I would be shocked if, if Ty Ty Washington plays. And that, that's got to be a major blow to Kentucky again. But like we've mentioned a couple times already, you know, they, they've won without them. They've played a lot without them. So Kentucky's still going to come in very confident, very a very good basketball team. Uh, regardless of the status uh, of Wheeler and and Ty Ty, but uh, moving to from the perimeter. Thing on that, let me say one other thing. Um, I think it's it in in the long run, it helps the team because Kellen Grady had a good night last night and didn't hit a three, and he he got to the rim last night against LSU in ways that I didn't think he could get to the rim. Showed a mid range game. You know, Davion Mintz is being asked to do more. Uh, Bryce Hopkins hasn't played any this year. Came in last night, scored 13 points in 16 minutes. So they may be able to build a little bit of a bench. And if you can get Washington and Wheeler back healthy, that's the big issue. uh, Because then I think uh, Mintz and Grady have both expanded their games. Jacob Toppins expanded his game. And I think that's a big issue. It could really help this team if the other two get back healthy. The down point would be, number one, if they don't come back healthy, and number two, if it breaks momentum, uh, where they come back and they're just never in the flow they were before they got injured. And that happens sometimes. So there's some question marks. But, you know, the ceiling is higher for this team, uh, I think, because of the injuries. Oh, yeah. You have those sort of injuries. It kind of forces other guys to step up. That happened – uh, last year with Arkansas, even Justin Smith went down and that forced a uh, kind of a shift in the lineup. They went with a smaller lineup with Justin Smith out of it. Jalen Williams had to step up. Devontae Davis stepped up and then Justin Smith came back and they gained all the momentum on the way to an elite eight. That, that very same thing could happen to Kentucky where you have guys like you mentioned, Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady stepping up, playing in roles they haven't played yet this year. And then Ty Ty and Severe come back and oh, well, everything's back to normal, but we also have guys behind them if they're in foul trouble, if they do get hurt again, like that depth is there. And we have guys that we can trust even more to put in these spots. And they've been familiar in these spots. So uh, that's nothing but good news for Kentucky that they've been able to step up so much. And moving from the perimeter to the inside, we have a premier battle in the post between Oscar Shibway and Jalen Williams. What do you make of that matchup? You know, Oscar's been um, just tremendous. Um, you know, averaging, gosh, I, I would have to sit down and look. I don't even know what his averages are right now, but he's easily got a double-double. Um, and I'm talking about mid-teens in both points and rebounds. Um, but he plays with such a motor, you know, such an, such an energy. 
uh, where he kind of anchors the team kind of anchors around that because it's kind of like got the, uh, the energizer bunny, you know, part of it where he just keeps going. Um, he's expanded his uh, offensive game. Um, I think when he came, people expected him to defend and rebound, play hard. They didn't know what they were going to get offensively, but he, he's kind of shown a little bit of a back to the bucket game. Uh, can, has a nice little jump hook, uh, good face up game out to the mid range. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens between those two. You know, fouls could be a big issue. Does ear player get into foul trouble? Uh, one thing that has given Oscar a little bit of trouble this year has been the bigger, longer post. Oscar's only about 6'8". You know, he may look like a big – he may look like Wilt Chamberlain, but he's not. He's not, seven, he's not a seven-footer. He's about 6'8". And some of these other bigs that, that, you know, when the first game they played against Alabama, Charles Bediaco gave him a tough time because he was so long. And if you watch Oscar, he's got the tendency to squat when he gets a ball in the post. So he'll get it and he really sits down with it. He makes himself even smaller. And then when he pivots to look up at the rim, he's still in the squat. So a lot of times he's trying to play through size and, uh, and that's not always easy. When he does that, he doesn't create space. So I think it'll be a very, very interesting matchup. Uh, he had a, a big one against McCormick, Kansas, when he just played incredibly well. Um, so, you know, I, I think that if you're going to make a wager on on how – doesn't mean the team wins, but how Oscar Shibway plays, um, you'd be wise to put your money on him because, man, he, he's just been – He's just been something else all year long, and he's making a major push for National Player of the Year honors. I've seen him mentioned uh, for National Player of the Year, SEC Player of the Year, all these different accolades. I think they're definitely well-deserved, easily deserved. He's one of the best players in the country, easily the best player in the country in my mind. Uh, really, the only two candidates in my mind are him and uh, was it Jonathan Davis at Wisconsin. Is that his name, I think? Yeah. yeah. You, you like uh... – I like Jay Nivey at Purdue. Uh, there's some guys that I like. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Carroll was on that list on Ben Carroll, but he struggled from the field the last three, four games. But I'm, uh, man, I really like, uh, I like Jay Nivey too. Um, but it, it's interesting to see because I think the list, team, certain players will start making a case and then other players will start, you know, they'll play their way out of it. So it'll be interesting by the end of the year. No, absolutely. I haven't got to see Jaden Ivey as much as I would like this year, so I need to catch some more Purdue games, but I, I've only heard good things about him. Um, talking a little bit more about this Oscar and Jalen matchup, uh, Jalen can stretch the floor. You know, he's kind of like a, a point center of sorts. He has a positive assist to turnover ratio on the year. He can get up to three, four, even five assists from that, from that post position when they stretch him out high. Um, he can even shoot the three. It's something he's been doing more and more the previous few weeks. Um, is Oscar comfortable coming out of the paint and guarding Jalen, or would that be a, something that Cal, like, switches defenders on or, or anything like that? Well, he is, and but it's weird because I think basketball is so much – it's it's momentum, and it appears like the SEC, it's road and home momentum if that makes sense. Um, you know, the crowds, the whistles, um, you know, and uh, this is not a knock on any team 
pro or con because I would say this if it's really weird if Kentucky is playing at Rupp, they're going to get whistles and they're going to go to the line a bunch. And I don't care who you are, you go on the road. You know, I it, when Kentucky went to Auburn, they shot two foul shots, I think it was. And then uh, when Auburn went to Georgia, uh, man, I think, I mean, Georgia was just living on the line and it's just weird the way the whistles change on the road. And I think sometimes that can get a guy tentative. Uh, and, and it happens for everybody. So that's not sour grape. I don't want to make it sound like that. It's not. We're talking the way things usually go in the SEC. And then you get the crowds and teams get momentum. So where I'm kind of going with this, um, the last three games they played, he's been very comfortable stepping out on the floor and defending. He, he did a really good job last night when LSU stretched the floor with Darius Days. Darius Days did some early shots. But Kentucky switched every screen last night. So he ended up on Xavier Pinson a lot. He ended up on some other LSU guards. And he had – he made it tough on them. Uh, LSU got on a good roll early. But after about the first 10 minutes, he really made it tough on them. He had three or four block shots on guards coming in when he had picked them up one-on-one outside. Um, but here's the weird thing. Those were two home games. Three games ago against Tennessee, John Fulkerson just roasted him every time he was – every time we faced him up, he just blew by him. So, it's crazy. I don't know if he had a bad night. I don't know if John Fulkerson's, you know, the next coming of uh, Corliss Williamson. I don't know if uh, – you know, I don't know if uh, – what it was, but it was weird. So, like I said, a lot of times you go on the road, you don't know what to expect. So – you know, that's going to be interesting to see how he does. But uh, like I said, they they last night – or, uh, yeah, last night when they played LSU, they switched every possible screen. I mean, they switched everything. So, that's – what you're going to see a lot if they do that again is Oscar Shibway on Arkansas's guards because everybody initiates with ball screens. So, they're switching ball screens or switching handoffs. So, what you may end up seeing – is a lot of Oscar Shibway on your guards and Kellen Grady or Davion Mintz, you know, guarding Jalen. And see, that's actually, that was my next question was how do you think Kentucky plans to stop the combo of J.D. Note and Jalen Williams? Because they've been running that same kind of ball screen action. J.D. Note has done a really good job of getting mismatches and utilizing those mismatches. Uh, one of those in particular, you know, against Auburn, uh, they ISO JD on Walker Kessler a lot, and he hit a couple threes over him, would take him to the paint, all that sort of stuff, drew fouls on him. Um, so if you get that sort of look, is that something that Kentucky's comfortable with having Oscar Shibway on JD? Uh, I, I think so, and, and if not, he'll change it. But um, they've done more of that. Now, it, it depends a lot of times – Cal's not a guy that's going to say, well, this is just what I do. We're going to switch everything. It's not like playing Baylor or where they're going sideline baseline or Texas Tech and they're going sideline baseline on everything. Um, a couple of years back when he had Nick Richards and, and, and uh, EJ Montgomery, they, they switched everything and they were more finesse bigs than they were powerful bigs. And they could, they could switch on to a guard and they were so long, there were no mismatches. Um, they couldn't do that with Olivier Saar last year. They uh, uh, The year before that, they could switch P.J. Washington. They couldn't switch Reed Travis. 
So they would switch everything one through four. They wouldn't switch to five. Uh, this, like I said last night, Oscar's got quick feet. So I would expect them to switch unless there's a miss, there's some type of matchup that he's really, really not comfortable with. I, I, I would expect them to switch. Kentucky's really good on both sides of the ball, but their offense is the best in the SEC as far as efficiency goes and just being able to score points per possession, all that sort of stuff. Arkansas, similarly good on both sides of the ball, uh, but they have the best defense in the league as far as efficiency metrics, all that sort of stuff go. Uh, going into Saturday, what gives? Something has to give. I Here's the interesting thing. LSU and Tennessee um, – Played both teams twice this year. They split both. One at home, lost on the road. Two of the better uh, defensive teams in the country, um, I think. And I think you put Arkansas, I think you've got three teams right there defensively can say, well, we're, nobody's better than us on the defensive end. You know, they can make that claim. Um, and interestingly enough, in the first game with, against Tennessee, I thought Rick Barnes, who's a great coach, but I wasn't sure about his game plan because you've got Viscovi out there 45 feet from a bucket trying to get up in Sylvia Wheeler or Ty Ty. And I thought Kentucky had some quickness advantages and Tennessee tried to get out on the floor and extend. And I, I just didn't think that that was a sound match. And Tennessee just – or no, Kentucky rather just – kept getting to the hole and get to the hole and then they'd draw help and they'd kick and they're making threes. And they'll never be as hot again either as they were that game. Well, Tennessee was a lot more physical the second time, but you got to remember they didn't have Ty Ty Washington that game. And it, we'll see how well Kellen Grady and those guys have improved their game because at that time they didn't have anybody on the floor that could create. You know, Wheeler was trying to do everything. And Tennessee just kind of backed it in, but they were really physical, blocking off driving lanes. And Kentucky just they were just dribbling side to side. They were east and west the whole game. Uh, last night, LSU uh, gave up 23 points in the first half to Kentucky, and Kentucky scored 48 in the second. So they doubled their point margin. And I think LSU did the same thing. They tried to press a little bit, knowing that Kentucky didn't have their starting backcourt. Now, Kentucky turned it over, and LSU turned a 15-point game late with a press into a three-point game. But I've just been watching a film, and I put up some Twitter videos. I'm going to do a, a film review article on a game, going back and watching it. I felt that LSU tried to get the game too fast, and I think Kentucky built a 15-point lead because of the press. Um, they get it out of the first trap. There's one thing about it. If this lineup is what they play, it's a big lineup. They can see over the doubles, over the traps, and they can get the ball out. Uh, of course, LSU kind of changed their press a little bit where they kind of manned up more instead of trapping that first pass. But anyway, um, Kentucky, um, what happened is when he went to the press, well, if you get out of that first trap, now you've got driving lanes. Now the game gets quicker. So they had lanes to the rim. They got into the dribble drive very early into it, man. And they started getting into the lane. They started getting deep penetration. And they didn't get any of that in the first half. I just think it's because LSU extended the defense. If I'm Arkansas, 
I wouldn't, and I, I know it may be, and people are going to say, boy, Arkansas, I'd press them out of the gate because they don't have their guards, turn them over. They may do some of that off a dead ball, but if I'm Arkansas, I kind of pack that thing in 19 feet and, and I challenge those driving lanes. And because I, I still don't, I still think that's the way to do it. It's what Tennessee did. You know, uh, it's what um, LSU did in the first half when they only gave up 23 points and then when they kind of changed it and tried to put on more pressure, then they got knifed, you know, Kentucky can score in a hurry. But I, I think if you do that with this lineup, you can still, you can give them some problems where they say, okay, who's the guy that can create buckets. That's still the question I have at times this roster, who on a perimeter can create their own shot. Yeah. And Arkansas hasn't really pressed a whole bunch this season either. And when they do, it's typically kind of a soft press and they'll bring up maybe two guys, just put a little bit of ball pressure slow, mainly to slow the game down, not to speed yeah. it up. You know, yeah, they're, they're I keeping. Change. I wouldn't change what I'm doing if I was there. I mean, they're a great defensive team. I would just do what I do. And I wouldn't really expect them to either. Cause that, that kind of soft press that slows teams down by the time teams get into their offensive set, you're already down to 20, 15 seconds on the shot clock and they got to run their normal set. And then Arkansas is really bullish in the half court set, really good at help side, really good at rotation, all that sort of stuff. So it seemed to work. And I think hearing your comments, pretty much more of the same would, would be the best strategy against Kentucky um, and then, of course, Kentucky's coming on the road, Bud Walton Arena. Um, Kentucky has had some success on the road this year outside of what you just mentioned against Tennessee and LSU. But, you know, they, they really took it to Kansas, at Kansas. Uh, and, of course, have won other conference games on the road. Um, what can you attribute the road success for Kentucky this year to? Would that be the more experienced roster, more comfortable roster? What, what exactly do you think kind of attribute, is attributed to that? I think experience, but I just think they've had a good team. Now, I'll go back to the losses at, at LSU and Auburn. When um, Ty Ty Washington went down, I think they were ahead by six When at, at LSU. When he went down at Auburn, they were up nine, you know, in the first half at Auburn, and they were up at LSU. And they lost Willard and Washington in both of those games. Uh, Wheeler came back a little bit against Auburn, but man, he was, he was, you tell, he was kind of really rattled. He didn't come back at all at LSU. So, you know, and that's one thing that fans wanted to see when they went to Kansas. Okay. We got a complete lineup here. They just wanted to say, okay, how good are we? Because we think we could have beaten Auburn with a full deck. We didn't have it. We think we might have beaten LSU with a full deck. We were ahead. We didn't have it. They just wanted to see that. And then again at Tennessee, they they don't have it against Arkansas. They don't have it. But you know, it's been a, a, just I think having a good team, having an experienced team. And one thing they do, they play hard. You know, Calipari coaches them hard. He's not going to accept anything less. So I think that's one thing too. Outside of um, they are a tough team. They are a team of battles, and they're a good team. So, you know, that's the kind of teams you want to take on the road. And I'm sure Arkansas feels the same way when they go on the road. They're going to play hard. They're talented. So, um, you know, that makes for good basketball. Absolutely. Well, David, going to wrap things up here. Got a couple more questions for you. What is your biggest key to the game for Kentucky to come away with a win? All right, that's a tough question because 
so much has to go right. I think the thing is just going to be for them to play confidently and score points. Because like I said, I go back to the Tennessee game, and I think that would be my biggest comparison. You know, offensively, they just – Tennessee was physical defensively. They really walled off the lane. They denied driving lanes. They contested everything. And they didn't give them any room to operate. And they said, here, you're you're going to have to – you're going to have to create shots and beat us. And they couldn't do it. Um, You know, so I think that's the big thing. I don't know whether Wheeler plays or not. Like I said, I'd be very surprised if Ty Ty Washington does. So you're down your two guards. They've been able to answer the bell against Alabama and LSU. Can they play against another really good defensive team who I think might be more, a little bit more disciplined and staying in their style of what LSU was. So if they start out the way and play like they did against Tennessee, if they played the way they did in the first half against LSU, can they find answers offensively and really find somebody to step up on the perimeter and take the pressure off and make some shots? Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I think that really is, as far as the Kentucky side of things go, absolutely. For Arkansas, I'd have to say, you know, keeping J.D. Note and Jalen Williams out of foul trouble – uh, they had a tendency to get into foul trouble, and with, especially without JD, their offense kind of just uh, falters, falls by the wayside. Uh, they they don't really have an identity without JD. It seems like. Um, then also being able to rebound the basketball, keeping uh, Oscar off the boards, which you're not going to keep him off the boards, but maybe keep him under ten at least. If he gets seven, eight, nine, I, I think you you look at that and you look at it as a win if you keep him under ten. Um, One thing I've noticed about Oscar, I noticed last night, he really gets good, especially on the offensive end. He gets good rebounding position when there's penetration and it draws to bigs and he's able to get inside. And and they do that a lot. I think the guards sometimes really set him up to where he can get rebounds. And then on the defensive end, it is Kentucky is a good defensive team, so they're able to – you know, keep the ball in front of him. So Oscar, on his end, he doesn't have to go help. He doesn't have to leave his feet to block a shot. So, and the thing is, he's so strong. If he gets his mitts on it, it's just hard to get it away from him. Last question, putting you on the spot here. Who do you think wins Saturday? You would do that too. Uh, (laughs) If I, if I pick, uh, if I go in here and pick Arkansas, man, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I might be on the unemployment line. (laughs) Uh, So I I think, look, I I think Arkansas, you know, at home, there's an advantage, but Kentucky's been able to answer the bell. I think it's a test. I'm going to dodge your question by saying this. I think it's a test. I really do for both teams. Like I said, I think they're looking at the long run here. And I think Calipari wants to keep looking at this thing and say, okay, who can step up? Here's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm going to give you an example. Against Alabama, you're going to hear something against Kentucky called floppy or baseline circle. So what this is, it's when they run a player off the baseline, they have a screener on one side, a screener off the other, and that's really their offense that they initiate in half court, the baseline circle action. And that's really good against a bigger lineup. They get Kellen Grady 
open on a wing, run him off a stagger, and then they'll they'll duck seal behind it and get the ball inside. And then when they go, that's what worked against Alabama. They opened up in, in their dribble drive. It didn't work. They went to the baseline circle action. They just destroyed Alabama with it. So they come out, they run uh, some baseline circle stuff against LSU. It doesn't work. So in the second half, they went to the dribble drive, and that's what worked against LSU. So, um, and I think Calipari is just searching, okay, who, like I said, who can step up, who can create, what works for us? Well, they defend, will they not get rattled by the crowd? I mean, the pressure's on, I'll say this, the pressure is on Kentucky to beat a highly ranked team with the roster not intact because they've not done it yet. So I'll leave it at that. They, they've got to, that's something they've not done. So if they go to Arkansas and win without those guards on the floor, I mean, this is really going to be the first time against a team like that that they've done it. So, you know, the, the, I think the momentum's with Arkansas and Kentucky's going to have to prove that they can do that. You dodged the question, but you gave a very in-depth answer and gave me a little bit of an insight onto some of Kentucky's offense, which I always appreciate because I love talking X's and O's of basketball. David Sisk, thank you so much. CatsIllustrated.com, Kentucky Insider with the Rivals Network. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time, as always. Um, and just really appreciate you hopping on here with me. Yeah, and, and if I, I come back on sometime and it's more in a neutral situation, just to talk basketball or whatever, and they're not playing Kentucky, we'll we'll see how if I can call the Hogs, see if I can do it. I'll hold you to that now. I I remember I remember my first game I ever saw Arkansas play. Like I said, I, I grew up in Tennessee, and uh, my roommate. Uh, was actually assistant basketball coach at Tennessee. So I'd, I'd go to some of his games over there. And I remember they played Arkansas. And this would have been back when Arkansas was really good back in the 90s. And, and anyway, so they're playing Arkansas and Thompson Bowling. And there's about 50 Tennessee fans there because they got, I mean, they were bad at that time. And Arkansas was really good. So, you know, Kentucky had fans there. And I'm looking around. So, all right, there's probably about a thousand Arkansas fans there. And they're calling the hogs. And I thought they were going to shatter my eardrums. I said, I've never heard. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being in well, 20,000 of them, man. It's, it's, uh, they, they support your team. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again. Really enjoyed it. Really appreciated wow. it. I'll have you on again for sure. And we'll get you to call those hogs. Look forward to it.